Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the mailbag. Come on in and put your feet up. Andy Brassel joins me at this moment in time. Andy, how are you? Hola, spilling you. Ah, a bit of German there. <laughs> um, Andy, it's good to see you. You're, you're smiling away. You're ready to answer some questions. Always. About football. But Andy, I've got a question for you. What have you been up to recently that, uh, that will, will give us a little, uh, give the listeners a little bit more of an insight into your life and who you are and what makes you tick? Um, well, I had granola for breakfast this morning. Okay, it's not uh, a sound check, Andy. With soya milk. Mm-hmm. The soya milk is the giveaway. The what? soya milk's the giveaway? Yeah. Why are you not uh, drinking cow milk? Are you too good for it or are you lactose intolerant? Uh, no, I, I, I don't have not no dairy me. Oh, I see. No. Not, not even gelato. No. Are you offering to buy me one? Well, no, because you're not interested. I'd, I'd take a sorbet. That's not what I'm offering, Andy, is it? So you're not you're not into dairy at you're all. You're very hardline with the old dairy, Marcus. Well, that, uh, well, well, it's not me that's putting the dairy in there. So you're you're you're. It's not me that's putting the dairy in there. <laughs> when you said you're that very... is a feeble argument. <laughs> when you said you're very hardline, I don't make the ice cream. <laughs> I just buy the ice cream, I mean... and I will not buy you that ice cream alternative. The sorbet's not an ice cream. I tell you what, if you go to an ice cream shop, sorbet will be there next to the ice creams mm -hmm. in the same little display. Yes, and if you go to a sandwich shop, you can buy a can of fizzy pop, but it doesn't make it a sandwich, does it? Yeah, but it wouldn't be in the sandwich section, would it? Uh, it might be. You go to some hellish sandwich places. <laughs> <laughs> Meal deals all round. Right, ladies and gentlemen, enough of this crap. Um, let's start with your questions. We've got one here. Where are we from? Cash Mannequin, who says, which clubs have seen a large decline in their competitiveness post-2000? After seeing Atletico sign Condogbia, I got thinking about Valencia and how their absence from the Champions League may be a long one. Some would point to Manchester United post-Ferguson. Oh, that's a little dig at the Red Devils there, isn't it? Um, other ones that spring to mind are Sunderland and Portsmouth. Brackets Rangers as well, if they weren't already back sort of so he's not, mm, not convinced yes. uh, um i imagine there's quite a few more that uh, that i haven't uh, thought of but of the ones that have had immense declines do you see any potential comeback stories in the second half of this century which is kindly put 2025 to 2050 specifically. Uh, that, that, that is helpful i, I think that the, the, the post 2000 <laughs> thing needs uh shift in a bit cash because I, I understand the thrust of the question mm. but it makes I don't think he's getting at this, but it makes it sound like teams that have declined post-2000, mm -hmm. like, like as in 2000 being the turning point. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you look at Valencia, of course, they had an incredibly successful first years of the 2000s because they had two Champions League finals, uh, Europa League win, mm -hmm. and two La Liga titles in three years. So we're, yeah. we're, we're talking about Valencia since, mm -hmm. aren't we? Who've had one massive financial crash and of course we had a, a little nod to that tete-a-tete -tete between uh, Joaquin and uh, mm -hmm. Kuman and the Ramble is something I think that's a period in Valencia history that still lives with all the protagonists and um, Valencia are kind of heading that way again with this weird uber cheap fire sale that they've been having mm -hmm. and as, as Cash points out with with Condogbia being the the latest to go in what to, I guess a non-Spanish audience is is quite peculiar circumstances mm -hmm. um, after the the, the the buyout clause was triggered for Thomas Partey. So um, Valencia are an interesting case, and I think if you look at them 
they could be fighting against relegation this season. Mm. They, they, they really could be fighting to stay up. Um, They're one of the examples where we talk about these sides yeah. falling away. Yeah, they, they are. They're a big example. They, they are a big example. And I think the way you link a lot of these sides is owners becoming restless, disinterested, um, prepared to invest less and, and, and cutting their losses. Now, I guess you'd look at Malaga at the moment oh, as, yeah. as well, who, you know, bear in mind were what an, an offside goal away from yeah. going to the Champions League semi-finals in, right. in, instead of Dortmund in, in, in 2013. So um, that, they had a heck of a team that year as well. Joaquin, the aforementioned Joaquin was, was in that. Isco, <clears throat> a really, really great side. And, you know, it, it looked as if they, they wouldn't be able to stay in the Segunda last season. I mean, it you know, seems light years they, away, that, that quarterfinal, was it, against... They made a load of players redundant at the start yeah, of this season. Mad. I mean, it's an extraordinary situation that they're living in. And as we know, and of course, we, I suppose we could mention Deportivo La Coruña at this point, although mm-hmm. we don't want to focus exclusively on Spanish clubs. Um, once you get in the Segunda Bay, it's going to be hard to get out of it because it's not just you finish in the top two and get promoted back to Segunda, the, the the second tier. It's a series of parallel divisions. And if you win the league, it's no guarantee that you're, you're getting promoted. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be hard, even though I would be moderately optimistic that Deportivo La Coruña would come back the, mm-hmm. the first time. Bear in mind that it's an amateur level of which they still have professional players. And so you, you have players on the on, on the on the Depot team um, earning uh, as as much as entire squads would elsewhere. So it's a very unusual situation. Mm-hmm. Um, with with Deportivo, they were in a different situation because they were living beyond their means for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know we think of um, Super Depot and Euro Depot winning the title in two thousand, mm-hmm. and again coming close to the Champions League final in. In, in 2004 but even before that great team there was investment going in there was Rivaldo there was Bebeto and spending that sort of money when you're positioned like Deportivo La Coruña and I just mean geographically really mm-hmm. is, is something that's a bit of a blind alley because mm-hmm. you know at one point they had what 26 to 28,000 season ticket holders but still, how can you grow it from there? You look at yeah. it geographically; it is it is isolated in that northwest corner of of Spain. You know there are relatively few like large nearby conurbations to to, to to get fans from. I mean, it's a bit of a shame when you I, I can hear, completely hear what you're saying. It's a shame for those clubs when when you think of like FFP now. Yeah, it sort of is pr- to protect clubs from from themselves really I suppose in one sense um, so it would have denied us the glory of the Deportivo La Coruña years well, well, but is, it would have stopped them like is, blowing it all yeah well this you've is you've got it, both like, sides of it in that one story don't you absolutely right yeah. Andy absolutely right you know you, you, you miss out you know those Deportivo fans who can remember it and are old enough to remember will look back on that and go oh man I, you know it's better to have loved and lost kind of thing exactly but then, but then tell that to the future generations who are going hang on what the hell's happened to this club you know and tell that to the local businesses exactly who, who don't get paid yeah which, which which no one ever talks about and you know we've, we've had you that. will never satisfy everybody yeah we've had with, that with doing the, the FFP and, and also exactly. not having FFP exactly and you've you've had that like time and again with like English clubs haven't you going into administration and you never hear about like the local 
sandwich shop that they mm -hmm. owe 14 grand or a, mm -hmm. a, a, a local taxi company that they, they, they maybe owe 20 grand or, or whatever, which is something that is you know, life or death for those businesses, isn't it? Yeah. But if, if we move it away from Spain a little bit, and we're talking about not disinterest, but financial sort of a, a sort of cavalier financial attitude. Mm -hmm. I think you look at Roma, yep. who of course title winners mm -hmm. if you go back to 2001 and of course for slightly younger listeners there was that extraordinary scene it was when the, the deal for channel four to show um uh, italian football was expiring so you had um roma on the cusp of winning the title for the first time in a in a generation playing out this mm -hmm. this 2-0 win and with uh, not only did we not get the title celebrations, we didn't get the end of the match because uh, <laughs> they uh, finished the broadcast because it, the game had begun, uh, begun a little late to uh, go to an episode of Pet Rescue. <laughs> I, I, I think it is. And maybe that's what pushed Roma over the edge. But, you know, you look at them from there and um, actually our, our friend Swiss Ramblers wrote written very eloquently about that recently, about Roma now being so incredibly... I mean, they've been through a few financial crises since. They've, of course, just been sold by James mm. Pallotta to the Friedkin Group. And the high price of Roma is based on the fact that once you've built a new stadium, and goodness knows that's been problematic, but once they get there, mm -hmm. it will be a license to print money in you know one of the, the biggest um, cities in Europe. That's going to take time to get there. In the meantime... They're really suffering. They're so dependent on Champions League. It makes you think, and it must make you think, if you're a club like Atletico, and that, that kind of takes you back to Valencia, really, that the financial profile and the debt of Atletico, when Diego Simeone took over, was very, very similar mm -hmm. to that of Valencia. And Atletico are very dependent on getting in the Champions League as well. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Roma haven't been in the Champions League for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. they, they sold big after getting to the, the, the semi-finals. Mm. And, you know, you look at the year before that when they sold Salah, but then you look at Alisson, they got rid of big earners like Strootman, De Rossi. And they've, they've found it hard to, I think, maintain a competitive team without those experienced players or, you know, an elite level competitive mm. team. And they've lost out on, on a lot of Champions League money. So the short-term economies have not paid off for them. And... Um, yeah, as as our as our dear mate Swiss has has, has written that they're mm -hmm. they're they're in a bad state financially, so there's a lot to be sorted out there, and I think they're worth looking at in this category because mm -hmm. they're such a they're such a huge club who mm -hmm. have, have got the potential to be so much more. One to keep an eye on, actually, I think in France as well is 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 Bordeaux um, mm -hmm. because. Um, their American investors have not looked after the club brilliantly. Of course, if you go back to 2009 title winners playing brilliant football got in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and could easily have got in the semi-finals that year when they lost out to, to Lyon uh, 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 in the um, quarterfinals and maybe should have done and since then it's been a struggle um, they've moved stadiums of course they've got a lovely new stadium now but um, which was part of Euro 2016 but the football's not been entertaining for a very long time um, Palo Sosa left because they couldn't really satisfy him in terms of ambition, in terms of the transfer market. They feel a long way off Europe. And Jean-Louis Gasset, their new coach, who used to be the assistant to Laurent Blanc at uh, Paris Saint-Germain and, and with France as well, who's a very good coach, 
has come out and said to his players that the way you're playing, it feels to me like we're playing for relegation. And it also, I think, says, you know, we've we've got a a club, a board that's really not willing to invest. And, you know, if they were to go down to the second tier, that would be an absolutely huge story. But as it is, they're kind of in this, if you go back a couple of years in the Premier League, they're in this Aston Villa stroke Sunderland sort of purgatory, mm-hmm. whereas they're not good enough to do anything. They're existing rather than living in the in the top division at the moment. And, um, you know, it's sad to see because they're a great club. Yeah. And also, if we're just going to chuck a name before we move on, Leeds United. Yeah. Another one, Andy. Another on, the way one. Back, on the way back, though. They are very much... They're, well, they're, they are back in the Premier League. They're, they're post-Bordeaux. Yes. Oh, oh. Remate! DJ Chubby Bubble has been in touch. All right, Chubbs. After Braithwaite last year and Condogbia this year, is it time La Liga reviewed their transfer window rules? Surely when the window slams shut, that should be the end of things. Big teams poaching players from smaller teams within the same division will only increase the divide further. Boo, Simeone, you big shit. <laughs> was, was that you or Chubby Bubble who said That's that? That's what he said, look. There you are. Chubbs is unhappy. Really? Yeah. Andy. Not only did he say boo, he spelled Simeone wrong. <laughs> I mean, that is I, the I ultimate did, I, disrespect, I, really, isn't I, it? I, I thought uh, I would just, uh, you know, correct him. Well, you know, that, that happens quite a lot in spell check. It gets um, mm-hmm. changed to Simone, doesn't it? What's, what's your favourite spell checked footballer? Mine's Ilka Cadillacs. Oh, I don't think I have one. You know, you know Ilka Cadillacs? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, go on then, Andy. What. Uh... <laughs> What do, what do you think to the transfer window in La Liga? Um, I think it's a very well-intentioned rule. And I think in the situation that Atletico are in, for example, I don't think this is that bad for anyone, apart from Javi Gracia, who must be absolutely ripping his hair out at the, at, at the moment because, of course, they've sold a lot of key players and you know let a lot of key players go if you take the likes of Ezekiel Garay, who's clearly had his, his injury issues. Um, but as a big presence in the dressing room, letting mm-hmm. his contract run out and him just leave. Uh, Valencia are happy to sell Condogbia mm. because they consider him a, a, a troublemaker for speaking out <laughs> against um, the limbs and the club. And um, you did know, he go out, did he go out on a limb? <laughs> Come on, give me something. Andy. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> and um, you, you look at. You know, the situation they were faced with him, a a really good player in a totally unambitious team. Mm. It's not a bad thing to get rid of him, Mm. Uh, even though they've sold him for under market rate, just as they did with Parejo and Mm. Coquelin. But do you not think this does help the bigger teams, though, as as old uh, Chubby Bubble is saying? Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll get to that. I I just want to... I I never do. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I want to get to the end of the the, the bit about Atletico. So... Whereas, like, it doesn't work brilliantly for Javi Gracia or Valencia's fans, for the club, mm-hmm. like getting rid of Condogbia, they're they're fine with that. They're not being held over a barrel. You know, they they could have said no, but they wanted to sell him dirt cheap to get the wages off the bill and get rid of a, a guy they saw as disruptive. For Simeone, I think as well, 
um, he didn't have any choice with Thomas Partey. And the way that Arsenal played the clock, of course, they had no time to to really replace him. So that's why I think the rule is is well-intentioned. What happened with uh, Leganis last season and Martin Brathwaite, that, that is different. Because, of course, they'd already sold another player, another striker, in fact, unwillingly in um in Nesri um before the before the closing of the transfer window when Sevilla played uh in Naziri's buyout clause. So they basically lost two players with absolutely no control over that situation. That is the way that clauses work in Spain and there are only just a few contracts really like two or three out there that don't have buyout clauses in, in La Liga. So clubs are vulnerable in, a, in, a, in what to us in England would seem quite a unique way, for example. Um, the, the Leganis thing is, is, is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, for, for them, what, what, what is wrong about that? And I think what is the point to make about how these two cases are different is Barcelona paid Brathwaite's buyout clause. Mm-hmm. So Leganes couldn't say no. Valencia could have said no, but they didn't want to. So that's very, very different. Mm-hmm. So I, I know Shelby Bubble's talking about the extended time given to buy a player out of window. I think for emergencies and to cover players who've been bought for the clause, that is that is fine. I think there are two questions with the Barcelona thing. One, was it an emergency? Mm. No, not really. Yeah. And I, I think it's an interesting way of defining emergency. So maybe it needs to be a little bit clearer because, of course, what they've done is they've shifted loads of other players mm. to to balance the books. It's, it's just another... Legan has ended up paying the bill for how shambolically Barcelona have been run mm-hmm. in, in recent years, really. Um, and I, I guess the other question is, even though it's out of window because Leganes had a player took, taken away from them and they had no ability to refuse the offer, should they have been able to, well, essentially go and do it to someone else? I guess the question is, if you do that, where does it stop? Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Brathwaite situation is, is bad. It's unusual. And I think there need to be, certainly in the case of Barcelona in, in this situation, where basically... Is that they they weren't held over a barrel. They went out and bought Brathwaite as a result of their previously terrible choices. I think there needs to be more stringent screening of that. But I think in the Atletico case, this is the rule working as it, as it should. Really, I I don't think it's a bad idea idea at all. And it, you know, it's 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 helped teams before. I realise once you buy someone out of the window, it's a chain and it can run and run and run and run. I don't know if there should be some sort of veto for that as well. Maybe maybe that could be a possibility. But in the case of Atletico and Valencia, I don't think you can put that deal in this category mm-hmm. because you have two willing participants, well, three if you include the player, mm. willing participants in this transfer. And no one's unhappy with it, apart from Javi Gracia, as we've said. Well, and Chubby Bubble. And Chubbs. I'm sorry, mm. mate. I'm more in Chubbs' category or, or um, in his camp with this. I just I find it an odd rule. I think if the window slams shut, it's shut. End of, bruv. Well, it slams for a reason, right? Exactly. It isn't 
gently prized chat, is it? <laughs> Andy, let's finish uh, with a question from Ben Giles, who says, Hi team, I had a question about the future of Europe's main leagues. Is Serie A in with a shout of becoming the most entertaining league in Europe? This would probably need Juventus to drop a bit, which may well happen under the inexperienced Andrea Pirlo. Inter are challenging again. Milan are building an interesting young side. Well, Milan are challenging again, you could argue as well. Atalanta still score thousands of goals. Napoli have Gattuso and a good squad. Even Sassuolo are playing some cracking stuff. Exactly. We've got a new Atalanta. We've got Sassuolo. Mm. And I tell you what, if you are a Sassuolo fan, a new Sassuolo oh, fan, there's loads of them out. They are knocking out a load of their gear for cheap on uh, M&M Direct at the moment. The green and black. Oh, oh yes. Well, fill your Christmas stockings, people. Damn right. Well, it seems like there's some really interesting competition there um, for top spots. Unlike some of the other leagues, League uh, and Bundesliga still look a bit unbalanced. Nobody wants to win La Liga, and the Premier League is absolute chaos. Thoughts. I think Serie A, I I would agree with Ben, I think uh, Serie A has been building up to this point for quite a long time, actually. Mm. And I think if you look at, it is is at least partly to do with a a diminishing status. Because if you look at, if you go back to 2006 and you go back to Calciopoli, you look at the fact that um, it was was tough financially Mm. for teams after that. Um, there was there were so few big transfers into Serie A after that, and there was a, a gentle talent drain as well. And I think that started to change ideas, change the strength of the teams, of course, and change traditional values a little bit as people looked for other ways to to do things. I mean, Italian football had become quite set in its ways. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's still obviously a, a worthy league. Um, but the way that football has has been played, the way that players are trained, young players are trained, I think has changed all over Europe. And I don't think Italy's that different in in that sense. I think you've had some really exciting attacking players come through in the last decade plus, and the way coaches have thought about the game has has, has changed a little bit. I think you've seen some younger coaches with interesting ideas. Um, then of course you've got older coaches with interesting ideas you know you look at Gasparini and how he's found a home and been able to properly express himself interesting uh, that in, in, in Italy you do get some Italian managers who even when they're older they still manage to innovate a little bit more perhaps than maybe well, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm I think Ancelotti's a, a, yeah. a, an example maybe to, I'm only to comparing them point. to English managers perhaps no but I, I think it's a really good point Marcus because if you look at someone like Ancelotti mm-hmm. who has won everything has got enormous respect. And yet, when he arrived at Napoli, he thought, yeah, it didn't really go that well at Bayern. I, I, I think I should approach things a bit differently. Mm-hmm. It's not normal, I don't think, for someone that decorated yeah. in their 50s to have a bit of a rethink. Mm-hmm. N- normally, we think of coaches as these alpha males with tunnel vision mm-hmm. of my way or the highway. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. And mm-hmm. I think Ancelotti's quite a quite a good example now obviously the thing with Italian football is whereas our football culture and our discussion around football culture and our discussion between coaches and the media and fans is about sound bites here it's always about tactics in mm. Italy so you, you're always discussing that and you know evolution is is, is something that's I think that, is, that environment is a lot more conducive to, to, to evolution 
So I think you have to look at some of those those coaches as well that have come outside of the bubble. And, you know, we talked about Gasparini. I think uh, Sari is part of mm-hmm. that as well. Um, Roberto De Zerbi at um, Sassuolo is, is, is another one who I think could go on and, and be absolutely fantastic. Someone playing a, a slightly different style, a bit more counter-punchy. Uh, Simone Inzaghi at, at Lazio has yeah. been absolutely terrific as as well. And I, I agree with Ben. I think if um, maybe it will take Juventus to drop off a little bit and really, if anything, they've been a bit kippered by the Ronaldo experiment mm. because you can understand why they went there. You know, if you have the opportunity to, to to get a player like that, I think you don't hesitate. I think that's quite understandable. And, you know, from a commercial level as well as an on-pitch one, but then I think because they've been moving to his timeline, that's stripped away some of their identity and some of their way of, of doing business. And the squad has become a little bit one-paced as well as, you know, not as the club's not as financially healthy as it, as it used to be. And, you know, you do feel that um, uh, PLO, even if he does work out being really well, it's, it's a reactive rather than a proactive decision. Well, mm. it, it's, demonstrably that when you you look at the timeline of how he's a, he was appointed um i do think as, as as well that that sort of scattiness that might make it so entertaining you look at even antonio conte who's come back to Serie A after mm-hmm. a little bit and it's almost as if inter do some of the stuff they do despite him rather than because <laughs> of him you know i mean he made such a such a a mark on Inter straight away when he took over in mm. in, in 2019, and he I, does that, doesn't he? When yeah, he turns he, up, at he, club. he does. And I, I I went to see them like a month and a half into the season, and the way they were playing his way was so impressive. But now, I mean, you know, you wouldn't trust Inter to carry a pint back from the bar without spilling it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they're, they're they're so incredibly unpredictable, and that for the neutral is a great thing. It is. I lo- I've always loved Serie A. I think same. There's there's many many teams that I, I kind of like and admire in there and so on. But it is nice to um, to have Ben ask that question. Is it is it well, one of the more insane things? I, th- I think it is. And also I, I sort of forget about Juventus' dominance because I think I think to myself, well, there's a lot of competition in there. There's a lot of teams of a similar kind of standard and so on. And you forget about that one team dominate. So he he makes a fair point. You know, if they could just Juventus. If you could just ease off, you could become a bit crapper. That's what we want. <laughs> That's just what we want. And I'm, and I'm sure that um, Agnelli wants that as well. <laughs> Andy, it's been another pleasure. Uh, it's always a pleasure. As always. You, uh, in, in the mailbag. Uh, thank you very much, my good man. Have a marvellous rest of the day and yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll see you next week. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.